0: Good afternoon. Welcome to Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards, and it is May the 12th, 2022, and I am very glad that you're here. Uh, I've had a busy day, and I have a busier afternoon, Um, so, but I'm glad I can take some time and be with you guys. So welcome. Again, the way we do things is You can, if you're watching live on the side there, just type in a comment, and I will get to the questions in the comments. And then also, if you're watching not live, you can just uh, send emails to the Reason for our Hope Foundation, just put the podcast on there somewhere, uh, and uh, we'll get it, and I'll answer the questions as I can. So the first thing we need to do is pray. So let's pray in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be your children. For creating us to be your children. Not creating us just to be some creature and you be the creator. But you call us to call you Abba, Father. And you call us beloved sons and daughters. Father, may we lose ourselves in this relationship. Just be in your presence because our relationship with you is what gives us hope, knowing that you are totally in charge of everything, that there's no surprises to you. There's a lot of surprises to us, but not to you. So we beg you now, Father, to send your Holy Spirit more powerfully in our hearts and give us the grace of full surrender we would surrender everything to you. We'd do everything for love of you. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In your Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, welcome. Um, <laughs> as you can see, I, I just gave myself a haircut. Uh, during the um, pandemic, I learned to give myself a haircut with this special thing. No, it's not a flow, whatever that is. No, it's not that, but it's a special thing. So if it looks bad, it's because it's hard to cut your own hair. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I've been doing until uh, I went back to my barber. He's 87 years old, great guy, greatest guy ever. Uh, And I went to him twice, and he got sick. And uh, so I'm not even sure if he's... uh, Open back up yet so I can't wait to get back to see him but again it's uh you have to look at it so sorry anyway today is um my shrink is finally back can you imagine I says he's been gone since before my mother died I says of all the times for him to go and spend time in Ireland and so he finally coming back so the day right after I'll be going to meet him so uh we have to get that on time And then uh, I start interviewing for my new uh, director for the foundation. And so uh, pray for that, that we put the right person in there. And it's who God wants us to have in there, not who I want to have in there or anybody else. Okay, so um, there you go. So let's drive, 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 dwell right in. That makes sense. Anyway. Father Larry, would you please list some books on YouTube channels or websites or other resources for physical healing from an authoritative Catholic perspective? Thank you. I could, I would, but I I think the best thing when it comes to physical healing, there was a a great book out and I'm I'm guessing it's still out. It was by Father Francis McNutt and it was called Healing, Very Simple Healing. And he went through some of the principles of healing in scripture. And um, Again, I think that the best thing to do is just cry out to God. You know, none of the people who are healed in the Bible, none of them read a book on what's it mean to be healed from God. They just cried out to God and made an act of faith, meaning, Lord, if you will it, I can be made whole or I can be healed. And then Jesus says, of course I will it. But we always gotta remember that everything we ask for healing, for whatever, that we always ask in his will because he knows what's best for us. And we always just make an act of true faith in that he can do anything. Of course, God can heal uh, cancer as easily as he can uh, heal a cold. God is a God of great uh, power and mercy. But remember, as I tell all my people when I'm doing a, a parish mission, the greatest healing is death. <laughs> you know, again, like, oh, I hate when you do that, Father. But again, everybody wants to go to heaven, right? Yes, Father. But nobody wants to die to get there, right? Yes, Father. But it's the only way. And so we got to make sure that we're always seeking God's will because he does know what is best. And wherever you're writing from, let me tell you, heaven's nicer than anywhere else in the whole wide world. Anywhere else. So... Uh, We just got to trust him, make, (coughs) excuse me, make an act of faith um, and uh, just trust him, you know. One of the things that I use a lot in my own life too is I make the the mini novena, (coughs) excuse me, it's hay fever, really bad. I've never had it so bad as I've had it this year. (laughs) I've been tested many times for COVID. I don't have it. But I've had uh, sneezing, runny nose, watery eyes (laughs) for the last uh, almost a month now. But anyway, uh, sorry. But what I do is a mini-novena. And the mini-novena is Mother Teresa. It was Mother Teresa's thing. We all know a novena is nine days of prayer or nine different types of prayer. And again, this isn't trying to get God to jump through our hoop. That's not who we are. And God isn't our slave. And so, but the mini-novena is... Ten memoraries, nine in petition and one in thanksgiving. The memorare, you can look it up, but it's most people remember. uh, Remember most gracious Virgin Mary. that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help or sought your intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To you do I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful, O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. And you say 10 of those. Again, nine in petition, one in thanksgiving that our lady would hear us. Thank you. That our lady would hear us. See how nice that is. Uh, That our lady would uh, hear you. But again, always ask the prayer in the, the will of God. You know I want what you want. And if that's what you want, to heal me physically, or spiritually, or psychologically, that's what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. Anyway, so I just think that's one of the best things we can do in all of our lives, okay? So, but thank you for the question. Harry, good evening, everybody. Hi, Harry, from France. Jared Danielson, I remember you had a question, Gerald. Jared, Jared, uh, Jared put this uh, question on uh, the comments for YouTube, so they printed it out for me, hi Father, I uh, wasn't sure if you took questions of previous, here's my question, of course I do, hi Father, I'm almost I want your book Be a Man, uh, you should be done with it by now, and I love it, thank you. But, Jared, uh, you got to know that at the end of the, each chapter is three things you must do. And at the end of the book, they're all in order and 30 things, at little boxes. So, I always say you haven't read the book until you've completed all 30 check marks. Not hard, very simple, but, uh, you know, constantly, like I'm flying out today, uh, tomorrow morning I have to... I, I uh, get on the plane tomorrow morning on Friday at five minutes to five in the morning. I'll be I have to fly out of Cleveland, and I'm going this weekend to Ave Maria down in Florida, which I'm sure it's going to be so hot. But anyway, and I'm giving uh, uh, two talks down there. And I just fly out Friday, get there Friday morning, uh, and then go. Uh, uh, have a uh, talks adoration mass or the, i'll be can celebrating with the bishop next morning i think i have the mass and then a talk and then i leave there like at one o'clock in the afternoon and fly back to cleveland tomorrow night and then uh or saturday night and then come back but i say all that because when i'm in airports a lot of times people will come up to me and say father i read your book and i said did you do all the 30 things at the end uh no i didn't father well then go read the book again until you finish all 30 things so jared just so when you finish you're not finished until you've done all 30 things anyway because you got to put things into practice it's just nice to to read books i do a lot of reading books but if i don't put some of the things that i've learned into practice then what's the point i'm 18 i graduate high school later this month well congratulations I was baptized at the Easter Vigil this year, almost a month ago, and none of my parents are practicing Catholics. My parents weren't practicing Catholics either, and look at me. Uh, I did it all on my own, good, but I didn't, but I didn't, I did it with God and Holy Spirit, of course. My sponsor is a, is a, there's something wrong with that. Someone must have retyped that. Let me go back on here. My sponsor da, da, da. My sponsor is a seminarian. I wonder how that got messed up there. Anyway, my sponsor is a seminarian. Good job. And I've been praying every day, and one of those things I pray about is be- being the call to the priesthood. And I wonder if you had any advice. Boy, do I ever. I wanted to spend a year praying on it and getting closer to Jesus and the Word of God daily and taking some writing classes to prepare for the seminary. I wanted to be sure of my choice because I went to trade school the last two years and I'm really a certified welder and I never thought I would really want to be a priest in my heart, but now I can't stop thinking about it and I feel it in my heart a lot of times. I just get scared of how hard seminary is. Oh, seminary's cake plus, please. Uh, sorry, long question. No problem. Okay. First of all, Jared, you got to pray, 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 you got to pray. You gotta pray, you gotta pray. Now, when I talk about prayer, it's not just saying prayers, because you can do a lot of prayers and be an atheist, right? You can do a lot of prayers and never know God, because what our prayers is, 99% of the time it's someone else's prayer, and we say them very fast without thinking about it. The biggest part of prayer is listening to God. You know, the prophets would come before God and say, speak, Lord, I'm listening, not shut up, God, I'm talking. Now, it takes practice to learn to hear God. And if you go, uh, you can go on YouTube, uh, the same channel, and listen to my homily on Sunday uh, because I talk about how to hear God. And so i encourage you to go back there. Uh, and it's just, again, very simple. First, give time to God every day. Um, second, shut up when you're there. Um, um, third if it's hard for you to truly hear god's word then you got to read his word and like i have a thing no bible no breakfast no bible no bed which you read in the book um, about how to best do that and then you got to act on it but let's go back for a second about listening to god when you're trying to make a, a decision first of all for priesthood it isn't your call it's god's call he calls you and if he calls you, you have nothing to be afraid of. You know, when I, remember, I entered seminary when I was 17 years old. I'm a lifer. I entered seminary when I was still in high school. And we didn't have the money for it. And I just said, God, if you call me to seminary, you're gonna have to do two things. One is you're gonna have to provide the money. And two, you're gonna have to make sure that I can uh, study and pass all the courses. And uh, he provided the money, miraculously. And he... Uh, I did quite well in school, which never expected to happen. Because especially when it comes to theology, it's something that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you never, 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 never have to worry. If you're afraid, Jared, it's from the evil one. The devil tries to throw up fear, and that's a good sign that you might be being called to priesthood. But how to discern? Take all your options, Jared, on different sheets of paper. You know, priesthood being single um getting married uh being a welder whatever all your things however many options put them on different sheets of paper and then on each sheet of paper so seminary and go to the priesthood where i'd focus more not priesthood yet but just being a seminarian two entirely different realities and then you sit with this for days each piece of paper and you write as you come to think of them the good and the bad for each decision what's the good what's the bad And then you sit with the Lord and say, God, I will do anything you want. And then hold up each piece of paper. The ones that give you um, peace, keep it. If it just brings you anxiety, then it's a good sign to uh, get rid of it. Not anxiety talking about, okay, I'm afraid because of priesthood. That ain't, if, it, if you keep getting drawn back to that, that's a peaceful thing. The fear is about whether you're going to be good enough or smart enough for classes. Trust me on this. You're going to be fine. You know, if I made it through, and there are a lot of people who I thought never make it through, you'll be fine. You don't have to tell God how to do it. If he calls you to seminary, just go, okay? But it'll give you, God will give you peace, and he'll keep uh, just tugging at your heart. And I, everybody that's watching, they're gonna be praying for you, Jared, too. So um, just do what gives you peace. Do whatever the Lord tells you and never let fear enter into your discernment process because fear is useless, said Jesus. What is needed is trust, okay? And we'll be praying for you, Jared. Thank you for that uh, question. Okay, let's go here. Harry. Norimus. Dear Father, do you use Latin in your services? I do not, except when, you know, we're called to it. Agnus Dei. Yes, sometimes. Uh, but uh, I just don't know Latin. I never, I only had a half a semester of Latin. Um, and so sometimes, especially nowadays, people sit there and say, oh, you're not a good priest, you don't know Latin. And... Uh, Uh, I hope I'm a good priest, even if I don't know Latin. Uh, God understands my prayer. And again, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, Jesus uh, probably very rarely used Latin, if he even knew it. But the Romans probably knew some of it. Uh, But all the early, you know, the first Mass was not in Latin. It was done in um, Aramaic, of course. And so sometimes people get caught up into uh, particular languages and the language of the spirit is beyond all those languages. So don't get caught up into any of them. You know, it is the language, that, the, uh, the language of the church. Um, and so everything comes out in Latin first. It's just the easiest way when you're dealing with all the different languages in the world. But again, remember, when Latin came into use with the Vulgate, uh, when St. Jerome translated it, uh, the scriptures into the Latin, which was the Vulgate, the Vulgate means the... The uh, language of the people, so the reason we put things in Latin was because that was what the people were speaking. So that's why we went back to the Vulgate after Vatican II. Okay, but Latin's fantastic. I love the every year when I rededicate my priest to the Blessed my Mother to the Blessed Mother, um, they though well, the nuns used to sing "Salve Regina" and. uh, in Latin, it's all day, Regina, Mater Misericordiae. And uh, it's where I re-dedicate my priesthood to our Blessed Mother. Okay, thanks for the question, Harry. Eric Berry. Father, my wife and I have had two miscarriages, and she doesn't think that she can handle another. So I'm sure she wants to... Uh, I'm not sure, isn't sure if she wants to get pregnant again. I want to do what the church teaches. Any advice? Yes. Uh, the biggest thing is if I were you as I'd... Get both of you and wear a miraculous medal, and uh, both of you, and just put it in our Lady's hands. And miracles happen. Yeah, just just say miracles happen. But every act of uh, uh, intercourse, of course, must be open to two things: love and life, uh, love and life, love and life. So you just have to remember that you have to keep it always open to love and life. But thank you, Eric, for the question. Father Larry, would you refuse the Eucharist to a politician that you have heard yourself? They don't that, that support abortion. I am at a loss how any Catholic is pro-choice. No Catholic should be pro-choice in any way, shape, or form. But as I've said before, I would, I have never, and I would never refuse anyone communion. Pope Francis said the same thing, and the reason is because we don't know what's going on at their in their heart at that moment. They could have went to confession, um, but again, the the. It, uh, like the the Pope says, the Eucharist is not a um, uh, a reward for doing good because people are in mortal sin constantly when they go to communion. They shouldn't, but they do. Or they don't think they're in sin, and they're very prideful and judgmental of other people, which is sin. So they're still God's still humbling himself and coming into a sinful soul. But that's not the point. When we go to 1 Corinthians... It says, if anyone receives communion unworthily, they sin against the body and blood of the Lord. And then it continues. So you should examine yourself first. And then uh, before you go to receive the Eucharist, because if you receive the Lord unworthily, then you bring judgment upon yourself. And then he says, as St. Paul says, that's why so many of you are sick and so many of you have died. That the Earl the Paul was clear that if you receive communion unworthily, being pro-choice, then the bread of life can become the bread of death. So I let God be the judge, because then God can curse the person, if that's what he desires, for uh spitting on his uh teaching. You know, so again, people think, oh, people get away with things, or Father Larry's gonna give a politician, uh-uh then God judges that soul. And God is the one who's supposed to judge him, not me, or her, not me, okay? So, yeah, but uh, to me, the the greatest uh, scourge in the world today is uh, killing our children. And just all the stuff that's going on now, it's just just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. And how evil... uh, The father of evil, the father of lies, have entered into many people's lives, many politicians' lives and different things, and uh, speaks to them lies, and they listen. They listen. But we're going to always just try to do the will of God and to preach and proclaim the will of God and the word of God, and God can do even better. So that's uh, what I believe and what I've been doing, Bruce, but thank you for asking uh good day after Father Larry. Thank you for your morning mass. So thank you for watching. Hi Father. Hi Pagan Paul. I can call around to see where the uh, Marine recruiters get their haircuts in Pennsylvania. We can look up with a nice Marine high tight. I don't want to be that high and tight. You notice I let it grow out a little bit. I use number two instead of a number one, <laughs> but good job. Uh how can you reconcile? First John one nine with confession. First John one nine. Well, we'll find out here. First John one nine. Do 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 do. I have to look it up. Come on, 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 John, John. I know it's at the back. I know, I know just getting there. This isn't my Bible. John, 1 John, verse 9. 1 John, verse 1, verse 9. If we acknowledge our sins, he is faithful and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from every wrongdoing. Well, of course. God isn't uh, bound by the priest. Of course, God. The church is always taught if you repent of sin. But let's go to James, and it says, confess your sins to one to another that you may find healing. And why would God give us the sacrament of confession if he he does explicitly in John's gospel? So let's go to the gospel of John. Let's go to the very words of Jesus Christ himself. And here, in John's gospel, after the resurrection, what happens here? Right after the resurrection, the appearance that says, uh, bring me some fish, no, 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 no. Here it says in John chapter 20. How do you reconcile this? Just kidding. How do you reconcile this? So what Jesus says, peace be with you, verse 21. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then he breathed on them. First thing he does. And the Father's and he breathed on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Those who sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Now. Let's go to history, because what you did is what the devil does. What does the devil do? He quotes scripture. He takes it out of context. He did it to Jesus Christ himself. So here is what the early church did. In the early church, there was no forgiveness of sins except through baptism, period. That's why men of the early church, hundreds of years, many of the early church, Constantine being one of them, waited until their deathbed before they were baptized, right? Because they knew if they committed one of the three major sins, not you know these are talking about the major sins, which was uh, adultery, murder and uh, apostasy. Okay, if you did one of those after baptism, there was no forgiveness, you were damned, is what they thought. And then a lot of people with the apostasy because of the persecution, they says, okay, the church says, because they had the power, those who sinned, you forgive, they are forgiven. They says, okay, you can uh, go to confession once in your lifetime. So, and it was a public confession. So because every sin is not just a personal thing between you and Jesus. It's always a communal thing because we are the body of Christ. So if I step on your foot, your whole body reacts, but it was just your foot. So if let's say you and the, your place in the body is the foot. So if you hurt, we all hurt. If you sin, we have all been hurt because of that. So you if you go and you slap your husband and you go to God and say, God, please forgive me for slapping my husband. And God will say to you, Uh, I can forgive you, but uh, you have to ask your husband for forgiveness. Well, can't you just forgive me, Jesus? Uh, I can, but you hurt your husband. You got to ask him for forgiveness. So Jesus can forgive us and does, but we need to hurt, we need to have a representative who represents all the body of Christ, that's why Jesus said, if you, it not only does he say, did you get the next verse, I didn't read it, but he says, those who sins you forgive, they are forgiven, so he gave the power to priests to forgive sins, but then the very next line says, those who sins you retain, they are retained. Again, it goes back to Matthew's gospel, and uh where jesus gives the peter the keys to the kingdom he gives the peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven now let's say i pull out my keys i have one car out there and i give you the keys you have the power to get let people into my car and keep people out of my car he gave to saint peter who he founded the church on the keys to the kingdom of heaven and he says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven so again there you go so then in uh, for it took centuries you were only allowed confession once it had to be public so it means you'd come in a church like if you're if you were catholic or, or if you're not catholic we have the uh, mass we have the penitential right and a penitential right came from that once you committed sin you were first given a penance so you'd have to come in and make a public confession to the whole community on sunday so you'd come in and it was again one of those three big sins and you'd say i committed adultery and everybody go oh and then the bishop or priest would give you a penance, and then it was a public penance, and then you weren't allowed back into church period until after your public penance. And so you'd stand out the church every Sunday, and people would come walking in, and as they walked in, they would you would ask them to pray for you. Please pray for me. Please pray for me, and then after your six months of. Uh, hair short or whatever you're brought back into the church the bishop would come and lay hands on you and this is before there was catholics and protestants there was only one church during all this so this is the actual action of the church the people that knew jesus the people that were there the apostles this is the way things developed until we get to uh um the irish uh, church and ireland and glock was the they're the ones that went and re- really colonized all of Europe from the, uh, the Irish uh, monks and the monastery, I'm not saying it right, but I was there. So anyway, but they didn't have time because they had these missionary priests. So instead of giving a penance first, they would forgive someone their sins in the name of Jesus because it's Jesus who forgives through the priest and then give them a penance and they would do that. So it got switched. So the church, Christ gave the power to the church from the very beginning to forgive sins. And how it's done throughout the years is is, uh, taken many different shapes. But it's still, there's a lot of scriptures there for how the church does that and how we reconcile. But God doesn't need a priest to forgive anybody. But the same thing before you jump to that. See, if you have cancer, can God heal you of cancer? Of course he can. But God normally chooses to heal you through a doctor. Can God heal you of your sin? Of course he can. But God chooses to use a doctor to show it causes us humility and we have to acknowledge that before another person, our sin. Well, they're sinful too. Oh, please. But I'm more sinful than you by far. Judgmental, proud, fill in the blank. doesn't mean I don't have the power to forgive someone their sins because if I don't have the power to forgive someone their sins, then Jesus Christ is a liar, and I'm not going to call Jesus Christ a liar, okay? I hope that helps. It's much more complicated, but again, to try to say these things and a couple things, it's hard. Okay, hope that helps, Josita. Hi, Father. I'm looking forward to seeing you this week in Alave Maria. Good. Come up and say hi to me. Um, I'm surprised they invited me back because when I was there about four or five years ago i was really strong on the pope and uh and some people were literally fighting with me after my talk and i just said listen again to be a catholic you got to support the pope you don't like it sorry that's it so then i thought okay they're never gonna invite me back and they invite me back so it's uh that's a good sign that uh, uh they're supporting the pope as they should so anyway da da da. so say hi to me paul They didn't look like the hand of our mother that passed the tissues. It wasn't the Blessed Mother. It was Mary Therese. Anyway, uh, okay. What is the Godhead? The Godhead is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, it's the Trinity. It's the the God of the universe. Um, Sometimes we talk about God the Father being the the Father, the Godhead, but you, you can't say that only because they're equal, 100%. But they're not the same. They're the same but different. The father is not the son. The son is not the father. And the spirit is not the father. The spirit is not the son. But one God and three divine persons. It's one entity. Uh, a community of love forever and ever. And so uh, again, very, 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 very oversimplification. Pagan Paul, I'm halfway done with your Be a Man book. You've had it. Are there 30 things you've had it for almost a year, you pagan? Finish the book. You can also get it on, uh, I did record it so you can listen to it too. Hi, Father Larry, did you have to see Father Stu yet? I have not. <laughs> my life is way too busy to go see a movie. Uh, and to tell you the truth, I won't go see the movie. I'll have to wait till it comes out too. Uh, on, uh, I'll watch them, like on my day off, I'll take uh, DVDs and watch them at my house. The book is great, but wanted to know if the 30 things are listed in the end of the Audible book. I think so, I'm not real sure. Okay, Cameron, good afternoon, Father. My littlest brother is 19 on fire with the faith but can't decide if he wants to enter seminary or not. What's the best way um, that I can support him as his married older brother? Oh, you pray, you pray, you pray. And you tell him that you want him to do whatever God wants him to do. Never put pressure on anyone about making sure that they're going to be a priest. Just say, I want for you what God wants for you, and uh, God can do the rest. Okay, that last question was the 316. So we even had a question in 15 minutes, so there mustn't be anybody, any questions out there. So uh, if you want to ask a question, you have to do it there. Uh, Of course, Jared, God bless you. Okay, this comes from Jeff. Jeff. I'm becoming more aware of the role envy is playing in my life. I'm interested in your thoughts on how to tackle this deadly sin and root it out. I'm trying to deal with it, but I feel stuck in a rut. I wouldn't appreciate any advice. Again, generosity or thankfulness, I guess, is a better thing. Be grateful for what you have and be grateful what other people have. So uh, whenever you're getting envious of somebody, just start praising God for all the things he has given you you know thank you God make it simple God thank you that I can see God thank you that I can walk God thank you that I can talk God thank you that I can eat God thank you that I have a roof over my head uh God thank you that Jesus Christ died for me God thank you that I can receive the Eucharist you know and you just start praising God and then you realize that instead of the devil tries to get us be envious of others and look at see look at that you know and you do realize that was one of the major the first sins that we had after the original sin that's why Cain killed Abel he was envious and so from the very beginning envy instead of looking at what God has blessed me with we look at what God has blessed others with but you also don't have their crosses because a lot of times people don't realize the crosses and the exterior blessings sometimes are covering heavy crosses so Just when you see someone that you're envious, ask God to bless them. And then praise God for all the things he's done for you. And the devil will run. Okay? So, car tickets go on sale uh, as soon as we get a car. We're waiting for the car. We couldn't get a Porsche this year. We tried everything. Everybody wanted to charge us 10,000 over sticker. And uh there's only two so we're gonna go probably with a BMW convertible this year, but we're waiting for it now. I'm sorry I skipped right over you there. Uh hold on, I have a question, Pegan Paul. Well, you didn't. Hi, father. Are you what are your feelings about not giving Eucharist to the president? Again, I answered that question earlier. I wouldn't um um I've never refused anybody. I don't think he should receive because he could get sick and be cursed and die. Again, I encourage you to watch this earlier where we talk about what Jesus, uh, what, the, what happens if you receive communion unworthily. But again, let's go to that. To receive communion unworthily is to uh, be pro-choice, is to miss mass on sunday if you go to communion unworthily uh by missing mass on sunday which is mortally sinful by being impure yourself for another outside of marriage by looking at porn all those things are things that uh forbid you from receiving communion just as much as the president of the united states now god says again as i talked about earlier that if you receive unworthily, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you receive unworthily, you bring a curse upon yourself and even death. And that's why Paul said, that's why so many of you are sick and so many of you are dying. That's why every week, if you ever watch my mass, I always say explicitly, everyone's welcome to receive communion or a blessing. To receive communion, you gotta be Catholic and in a state of grace. If you cannot receive communion for whatever reason, I encourage you to come down put your hand over your heart and that'll show me you want a blessing. Because I wanna warn people I'm not going to judge you. Don't put that on me. That's not my job. God will judge you when you go to communion because he knows your heart. So God will judge the president of the United States if he receives communion unworthily. If the bread of life can become the bread of death. We don't have to defend God. He can take care of himself and he can curse who he wants, kill who he wants, and give life to who he wants. So, again, I just think the argument that everybody makes and some of the bishops make and everything else, it goes against what the Pope has said. And I just think that uh, God is, vengeance is mine, says God. God will take care of that. So I hope that helps. Okay. So I hope that. I've got both envy. Let's go back here. Father Larry, I've recently asked to serve as a sponsor for a family member who will be going through RCIA this year. Praise God. Do you have any advice for sponsors? Any particular prayers or saints to look to? Perhaps any books you would recommend? Again, I would encourage them. Sometimes people join the church, but they never get to know Jesus. And I know even the way that sounds, sounds awful. But there are like, I'm uh, as bringing in the new director. And we have a, a company that's helping us do that. And I talked with one of the people who's in charge of the company that's going through all this stuff. And I says, well, he says, well, we'll make sure we get good Catholics. I said, no. I says, Good Catholics, what's that mean? Well, they go to church on Sunday. You can be an atheist and go to church on Sunday. I says, I'm interested in people who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and God, who are his disciples, who decide that they wanna live for him and do his will more than do their own will, who are servants, who give their life away every day. I'm not interested in people that just go to church on Sunday and try to obey the commandments. That is not a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple of Jesus Christ as Jesus talked about this past Sunday, my sheep hear my voice. So that means in our prayer, we're listening to God. We have one point in life, a disciple of Jesus, to do the holy will of God, period. No other. That's the only thing we should desire in our life every day to do the will of God. If you're a daily mass person, you went to mass this morning, you heard in the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles what Paul says about uh, King David. And King David was a great sinner, just like me. I haven't done all those things that David did by God's grace. But it says, what does God say about David? Here is a man after my own heart, who does everything I want. That's what I want people to be able to say about me. Father Larry is a guy after Father, God the Father's heart and only does what he wants. You see, for RCIA, the biggest thing you can do is talk about your own relationship with Jesus, not just give him books on saints and all that stuff because all that stuff will help. But it'll, it, it won't lead them deeper in their relationship with Jesus. So what I'd encourage you is to learn to pray with them. Uh, if you're afraid to pray, you know, just from your heart, pray in our Father with them every time you see them. And uh, just, you know, I have a lot of resources out there, like how to make a good confession. It's called Confession. Uh, the Mass Explained, a lot of those things, which will help people go deeper. And so those are types of things you can uh, do to help people uh, go. But biggest thing is pray for them and make sure they're entering into relationship with Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Okay, hopefully that helps you, Melissa. Let's go back here. Car tickets, okay. Family, faith, and fun tech. Hi, fathers, Catholics. We believe Mary had no pain in childbearing. But in Revelation... We don't believe that. That is not an official teaching of the church. Um, I've went back and forth on this for years, and the church has never defined it. The reason why there's a tradition of Mary having no pain was because she had no original sin, okay? But Jesus, who is God, still felt great pain. Now, he didn't have a child. It wasn't in childbearing, but if mary was like us in all things now again this drives people insane but i promise you it has not been defined because again like saint thomas aquinas the way he said it was like light passing through a, um, a glass and so jesus was in the womb and was out of the womb uh, and so that kind of like what then He wasn't born, so why was he put inside of the womb of Mary? Why did he have to wait nine months if he wasn't vaginally born like everybody else? Because the word of God says at the same time, he was like us in all things but sin. So there's all kinds of debate over that, but it has not been defined uh, doctrinally or infallibly. You can have different opinions on that, so that's why again, when you put it in the context as you did about Mary Wells out in pain, um, that's one of the reasons I think it hasn't been defined. Okay. Do 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 do. Chris says, saw my spiritual director yesterday about time went to confession. Really about time. He made me skip watching the Penguins game last night in penance. Maybe the hardest thing. Oh, shut up. Go for it. Offer it up for the poor souls. Oh, so sorry, Chris. Eddie, hello, Father. I've been lost for the last six months or so. I've been lost for the last three months. So, uh, My faith and hope have been wavering because I feel that at times God has forgotten about me or doesn't love me. What should I do? Go to the Word of God. The Word of God has power. And again, I was having, a years ago, I remember having a horrible, 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 horrible day. And I went and before the Blessed Sacrament And I just fell down. It was like one o'clock in the morning in front of the tabernacle. And I said, Jesus, I'm a mess. And I opened up the word. He said, open up the word. And I opened up the word and it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Have faith in God, have faith in me. And instantly it was like God reached into my heart and brought me peace. So I'd encourage you in Google, just say scriptures that will help with a troubled heart or when you're losing faith or when you don't realize you're loved. Uh, and then take those verses, go to the Bible, and spend time with them. Ask the Holy Spirit to touch your heart through his word. One of the best things you could start off with is Mark chapter 1, verse 11. Uh, everything that happened to Jesus happened to us. And so at Mark chapter 1, verse 11, it's when Jesus was baptized, and God the Father says, You are my son, whom I love, and with whom I am well pleased. And to take that for yourself, because Jesus is inside of you. That every time you go to pray, God looks at you and says, you are my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Another thing you can do is while I teach people how to pray is very simple. It's a five-point method, if you will. The first thing is to breathe three times and honor the Trinity. But breathe slowly, like the Father. Very slowly, three times. And then imagine Jesus in front of you because he is. He's always with you by definition. If you're baptized, he lives inside of you. And then do three things. Tell him you're sorry. Get rid of your sins. Don't make excuses for your sins. Don't do like you go to confession and you list your sins. You know how you've hurt him. You've known how you hurt others. You know how you hurt yourself. If you hate yourself, it's like spitting in Christ because he created you. And not only did he create you, he died for you. He died for your sins. You're saved by what he did for you, not what you have done for him. So you repent of your sins. The second thing you do is I'm sorry, repent. Second thing is I surrender. So you surrender your life to him as you are, not as you should be or how you were. The only thing you can do is give him to yourself as you are. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I surrender this situation to you. I surrender my farness from you. I surrender my uh, whatever it is. Just surrender it to him. So breathe, I'm sorry, I surrender, and then those first two things will take you about two minutes, if you're gonna take five. And then take three minutes and just say, Jesus, hold me. And then you close your eyes and you feel Jesus Christ put his arms around you. You put your head on his chest. You listen to his heartbeat. Every time his heart beats, he says, I love you, I love you. And you let Jesus Christ love you. And then after three minutes of not saying a word to him, just listening to his heartbeat, and every time the heart beats, I love you, I love you, then Jesus says to you, pray with me the words I taught you. And then it's the greatest thing. You imagine you're either in the arms of Christ or you're taking his hands, and you let him lead, and you slowly together say the Lord's Prayer. But you let every word echo through your being. Our. Jesus is praying that with you because he's taught you that. Our Father. Teresa Avila, saying Teresa Avila couldn't get past the word Father without going into ecstasy for hours. What's it mean that God is your Father? And you slowly say the Lord's Prayer with Jesus. And you just commit yourself to that every day. So, five minutes, five points. Pray the Holy Spirit by breathing. I'm sorry, I surrender. Hold me, and then say the Lord's Prayer with Jesus. Watch what happens, okay? Or another thing is just go into Scripture, like I told you, and that will also help you. Okay, Father, please pray for me and all all of you in this chat. I am stuck in addiction and desperately need the Holy Spirit to please release me. Jesus came to set you free, and there's a great... uh, um, it's a protestant site and there's some anti-catholic stuff on there but almost everybody i sent that's all they send you the word of god every day and it's setting captives free it's called setting captives free setting captives free and that's for sexual addiction uh, food addiction um, um, a- alcohol addiction a drug addiction um, and there's they'll even give you a person keep it anonymous now they will send you things that talk against the catholic church ignore all that only deal with the scriptures because the scriptures of course is god's holy word and again when i tell people to ignore all that uh, the anti-catholic stuff and just spend time with scripture great things can happen but know that a lot of the people there are anti-catholic but just deal with the scriptures and watch what can happen father can you explain gossip again gossip is telling an uh, uh, unknown unknown unfounded truth it's something you're not sure is true about somebody else but you've heard it uh detraction is telling an unkind truth about somebody else so you know it's true but it's unkind and you uh, you talk about it for number one mortally sinful is if you just destroy their reputation because the the church teaches everyone has a right to the, a good reputation and so if you purposely try to rip someone's uh, tempered, uh thing down by telling an unkind truth it can be mortally sinful same with gossip if you're ruining someone's uh reputation which they have a right to have a good reputation and you don't even know if it's true then that would be gossip again can it can be mortally sinful pat father to commit a mortal sin you have to understand that what you're doing is a sin is that correct absolutely you need three things commit a mortal sin it has to be serious matters so it can't be a white lie it has to be killing somebody okay or something like that you have to have full knowledge that it's that if i do this I'm separating myself from God. You know it's wrong. It's a serious offense. And then you got to say, with all that, full consent of the will. So a serious matter, full knowledge, and full consent of the will, all three of those things must be present to commit a mortal sin. If one of those things is missing, it is not mortally sinful. Okay, that's why we can tell people they've done a serious sin, but we can't tell them they're a mortal sin because you don't know their soul. Again, people do it all the time, and they think they're righteous, but they can't okay father how are we able to see jesus again as he appeared in front of me before i've been talking to him but he never appeared to answer me as before because sometimes like mother teresa had a fantastic experience of jesus but in 50 years she only had five weeks of consolation the rest of it was all darkness sometimes god wants you to go deeper And if uh, you only talk to God when he is revealing himself to you like that, it's all about you and what you get. But if you stay faithful to him uh, when you get nothing, then that's an act of love to God. But uh, he'll speak, he'll still speak through, but he'll probably use his word instead of direct speaking. Okay, Sylvia, how can you differentiate a Catholic priest from another denominational minister by the white collar? Is there a way to tell the difference? No, because there's a lot of Episcopals that wear the collar. There's some Methodists. There's some uh, uh, different denominations do wear the collar. There is really no way unless you ask them (laughs) because it's all the same collar. Um, Thank you, Lorraine, for uh, thanking me. That's very good. Chris, my twins are sad when Father doesn't have communion line on our side of the church as they can't get a blessing. Any suggestion on how to bring it up with the pastor uh, and the way uh, Remedy I always stand at the same place and uh, in the center and I tell everybody it wants a blessing to come to me um, but I wouldn't make it a big deal because the priest might look at you like oh, just get in my line wherever you're at crossover and uh, get in my line is what's probably going to happen. Pagan Paul. I have been Led Zeppelin fan and they have a past with an occult. Some occult symbols are on their album covers and a apparently are linked to occult and magic yeah is there any risk of following evil into our lives if we listen to led zeppelin i don't know enough about his songs uh can we cleanse it via asking for protection of the holy spirit i don't uh, any lyrics of some songs can be an opening to the evil ones so the ones that are look at the lyrics and if they're evil don't listen to them because again that's what i would do anyway pagan Paul. okay Susan, on EWTN last night, a lady called Father and said she had been to a First Communion where a little girl dressed as a little boy made her First Communion. Oh, my. That's just sad. That's all. But what say you? I just say it's sad. Very sad. Father, we'll see you tomorrow at Ave Maria. You say hi, too. Uh, That'd be great. Have a blessed trip, please. Uh, hopefully, again, I leave tomorrow early in the morning. I get there by, I don't know, early in the morning. If all goes well, you know how planes are, and then I come back Saturday. So it'll be good to see you. Please come up and say hi to me. I'm a Buddhist before all, uh, before, uh, and things go so well. You know, I became a Catholic. My life was bankruptcy, death and bad to live again, all that. And I lost my money, supports three children uh, for study. That happens a lot, uh, because why? Buddhism, which is, uh, you know, I love lots of things of Buddhism. It is a great science, if you will, or a philosophy. Uh, they know the mind better better than most uh, uh, things because it's a very ancient uh, practice with mindfulness and various things. But Jesus says, no one can be my disciple unless he, what? Picks up his cross. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, uh, when Jesus calls someone a discipleship, he bids them to come and die. But you know that that's not where it's gonna end. You just keep saying, Jesus, I trust in you, I trust in you, I trust in you, because resurrection's coming. Resurrection's coming. Even in all that stuff, Jesus, I trust in you. Resurrection is coming. I knew a tailor who specialized in vestments. He told me that an Anglican cassocks have 39. Yeah, for cassocks, there is a difference. Uh, but not many of us wear cassocks anymore. Now, some of the traditionalists wear cassocks all the time. So, yes, I am blessed praying for you, Mother, too. Interesting. Thanks. There you go. Uh, and all those things are fantastic. Thank you for all the people that wrote uh, uh, questions here. And I have a few more questions here, and then I've got to get out of here. In the resurrection accounts, there are three women they marry. Oh, I uh, I talked about that last time. I talked about that last time. And here. Hi. Did I deal with this today? Hi, my name is Peter. I'm 25 years old, living in Florida. if you're where... uh, If you're by Ave Maria, come see me this weekend. After helping teach confirmation class this year, ninth graders, I have been put in charge of leading a high school youth group for the upcoming school year. (laughs) I remember hearing on your podcast or reading one of your books that when you were a deacon, you had the largest youth group in the diocese. I did. What tips? Again, the biggest thing is to lead these young people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The deepest need in young people and everyone who listens to all this, I don't care who you are, is to Be loved. right? The deepest need in all of our hearts is to be loved. And God knows that because he put it there. That's why he said, all people know you're my disciples because you love one another. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. As the father has loved me, so I love you. The deepest need in everyone's heart is to be loved. So the first thing you got to do is just love these kids. Now you got to be very careful nowadays, but they can know that you love them without touching them or anything else. There's many ways. Uh, I, the way I did it when I was younger was I found out who all the leaders were in the high schools, you know, the captain of the basketball team or football team or whatever. And again, I couldn't you can't do that the same way nowadays because I'd call them up and I'd take them out for pizza and I'd say, listen, I'm going to start a youth group and uh, I'd like you, if you could, to please help me do that. Because you're a leader and i know that uh and they would jump on that all the time and they needed evangelized too but the biggest thing like i always say like catholic schools everything if all they're doing is teaching rules and commandments but not teaching relationship with jesus close them i just fully believe that why haven't you noticed what's happened recently all these kids are going to catholic school and they're never going back to church after they graduate why because we didn't lead them into a relationship with Jesus. We led them into knowing more about the church, knowing our rules, our commandments. But again, before God gave the commandments to the Israelites, he first set them free from slavery. We give commandments to people who have never experienced the love and the freedom of Jesus Christ. That's why it doesn't work. And as long as bishops continue to push this narrative, it's not going to work in a church. We need to push intimacy with Jesus. They need to experience his love first. They need to experience being set free from their sin, from their slavery. And then they can gladly follow the commandments, but they must know Jesus first. So the biggest thing is, remember, it's all about relationship. Your relationship with them, loving them, showing them the love of Christ incarnate and teaching them a love about God. But not a love that just, oh, it's okay, God loves you no matter what you do. Uh uh-uh. A love that gives a life for a life. So Jesus loves you and he gave his life for you. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Then you need to give your life for him much different than obeying commandments, not having sex before marriage, all those things you need to do, but you'll gladly do it when you're giving your life to Jesus Christ, not so you can go to heaven. And again, that's what we teach. You know, I taught it many years. If you do that, you're going to hell. And my kids would look at me and say, well, father, most of my friends are there, are going to be there anyway. So at least I'll be with my friends. I said, no, you'll be alone forever. But anyway, it's beside the point. That's not the way we bring young people to God. We bring them by allowing them to experience the love of Jesus. And then after they experience the love of Jesus, well, it's gonna cost you your life to love him back. And this is how you love him back, by not having sex before marriage, by obeying his commandments. But it's an act of love. Because again, if the only reason that you obey commandments is so you go to heaven, then who do you love? Yourself. So I hope that helps. I got to go, the Lord, but please, all oh, yet, yeah. uh, I'm not sure, I'm going to be on the road next week, but I might be able to have this check-in, I'll be able to tell you, if I'm at a place where I can go, I'll be doing this, I'm going to be in another priest, in another place in Ohio, so please pray for me, know that I'm praying for you, that I love you, and uh, we'll see you next week, God willing, pray for me, and the people I'm going to be speaking to this weekend, the Lord be with you, may Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you, he who is Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. God willing.